0: Hello and welcome to The Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical.
1: I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And this week's episode comes on the recommendation of a good friend of mine and the podcast, Deanna. Um, We're discussing Circe by Madeline Miller, which is a retelling of the Greek Circe's story from being a half nymph half god or nymphs also gods I don't really know um, to her exile on Ayaya her love life and lots of other things I would normally say chaos ensues but there's not much in the way of chaos in this novel also this book is for adults although a mature young adult might enjoy it as well Um, content warning for this episode and the book for discussions of sexual assault
0: we will likely be preparing for our next season soon. Actually, not likely. We were just talking about it before getting on to record. <laughs> so we are thinking about it. So if any of you all out there want to make some suggestions for which books we read, please consider joining our Patreon, which you can do for as little as $1 a month. We had our patrons suggest books uh, for the season, which is this episode. It's meta, everyone. It's self-referential. <laughs> <laughs> so consider that as little as $1 a month. We have a discord and stuff. So yeah, tell us what books we should read.
1: Initial reactions.
0: Let's have you go first, unless you want
1: me to go. I can go. (laughs) Um, I'm not gonna lie. I feel kind of bad because Deanna picked this book and I really, really, really wanted to like it, but I just did not. I didn't really like Song of Achilles, I know, Blasphemy, it's like all over everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, everything, whatever, as if it's like the only queer novel ever, it's not, there are other ones, we can talk about it later. I love Greek mythology, but I just did not enjoy this book. Um, so much of the story came through other people telling Circe about what was going on in the world while she was exiled, and I just could not get into it. I'm like, please show me what's going on. I don't want to hear about what's going on. It's really boring to me. Um, I'm so sorry, Diana. <laughs> All right, Kelly, I hope that you will make it better for Diana. <laughs> She's nothing
0: if not honest, everyone. <laughs> I would want to start by saying that this is a beautifully written book. I love poetry. I love, you know, a well-crafted sentence, or in this case, like entire passages, like so good. I loved all the witchcraft, and I'm not going to lie, Cersei's (laughs) life with her garden goats and loom, it's like, mm, sounds pretty rad to me, honestly.
1: (laughs) I agree. I just don't want to read it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I could see this being assigned in a literature class, high school or college, and also having it like, um, you know, bring up really good discussion because the text is really rich with references and with, you know, a lot of topics that can be polemical. So short answer, I liked it. And then you just have my long answer. So I wanted to give a, both a long non-answer and then also a short answer. (laughs) recommend if you like. Jesse's coming through with the only read alike that we could think of.
1: I said Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I guess Madeline Miller really likes writing these retellings of Greek stories. I think um, they also have one coming out about um, Persephone pretty soon, which is good, but also I think I saw some other stories about Persephone coming out next year, which I'm more excited about. Sorry, not sorry. I also was trying to find the title of this book, like that I used to own and I can't find it now. It probably got lost in a move somewhere, but there is a book by like Edith something or something Edith that is a book of Greek mythology, which I really loved. Um, I'll try and find it so we can put it in the show
0: notes. I I just put a a little note, Edith question mark, Greek mythology book. So we'll see if we can find it and then we'll post it.
1: Yeah, I think she's like an expert in Greek mythology, but I really love that book because you get all the stories. So yeah, I love Greek mythology. Maybe Laura Olympus is a good one. I haven't read it yet, but Deanna suggested it. And it's a graphic novel and I'm very excited to read Ooh, it. Oh,
0: I've also heard good things about that one.
1: Yeah. So yeah, maybe Laura Olympus. I'm going to say with an asterisk, I haven't read it. <laughs> and why did we choose this book? Deanna suggested it and we are nothing if not obliging you're about to get some real feelings, so sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Time to talk world building in through the wardrobe. Just all the Greek mythology, I really love that aspect of the story. We kind of get a uh, mention of Achilles in the book, um, as well as lots of other Greek myths, which was fun. So, if you're into Greek mythology, I think you would probably like this book if you're into greek mythology and like quote-unquote literary fiction
0: (laughs) the side eye that you (laughs) unintentionally did on your video while you said that (laughs) oh man i liked seeing all of the like different references and i learned some stuff like i didn't know icarus was daedalus's son
1: Okay, yeah, see, like, I knew that, but I was just like, it's cool to see his story, but I wanted to see it. I didn't want him to be telling me about it. You know what I mean? I got you.
0: Yeah, I get that. Yeah, there were a lot of cameos by different gods, as one would assume, since this is a book based off of Greek mythology. And there's a lot of, um, like, space-time world building, because time doesn't pass in the way that we're used to with a lot of the books that we've read. Like, Circe is this um, quasi-immortal being, so there's, like, hundreds if not thousands of years that pass over the course of the entire novel that's, you know, connected to where she ends up geographically at the different points in time. The main place that we see is Ayaya, which is the island where Circe is exiled, but also we get glimpses of different places like Knossos, Crete, Sparta... Um, We also hear a lot about Troy and the Battle of Troy with all of the Odysseus stuff. He makes a cameo for a while. And also we hear about Egypt and how that's like a, a powerhouse at the time.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting to like hear about the different places. And it was funny because when I think one of the blurbs on the front of the book was like talking about how this is like an epic novel of like that spans so much time. But it's like not that long for something that spans the amount of time that it does which is pretty impressive that you get kind of get like this very succinct story but that takes place over like a thousand years or however old Cersei is supposed to be by the end of the novel it's pretty impressive
0: yeah it really is this is making me think of Dr. Chanda Prescott Weinstein's book um, Dreams Deferred and she is a um, an astrophysicist and a professor and just it's so good. And it talks about like how space time is connected and you can't have one without the other. And it's curved. And your re- gravity is essentially your relationship to space time. And I'm like, oh, my God, so cool. <laughs> Blow my mind, please.
1: Um, we also get a lot of oral storytelling throughout the book, which is in part, I think why I found it kind of boring, we as a reader aren't getting to experience a lot of the things that are happening because so much is happening off the page. I didn't feel like the storytelling aspect was incorporated effectively for me. I feel like I've read books that did it better, that kind of like more immerse you in the oral storytelling traditions instead of someone just sitting down and telling you a story with like the interruptions and like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like other people maybe have done a better job with this. (laughs) I really appreciate these aspects of oral storytelling that we often see in some novels. So like here with Greek mythology or in Chakraborty stories, I think oral storytelling played a big role, but I feel like maybe Chakraborty did a better job of like immersing you in those stories and like giving you a better like glimpse into why oral storytelling is so important and like how history is passed down in that way. Yeah, plays a big role in the story, but maybe not in a way that I feel like was done as effectively as in other novels that we've read.
0: Yeah, another one that comes to mind that does this, did this really effectively was Rebecca Roanhorse's Trail of Lightning,
1: which mm-hmm. isn't YA mm-hmm. either.
0: But yeah, the oral yeah. storytelling is help. It's like moves the plot forward. And at the same time, mm-hmm. it's incorporated in a way that, you know, doesn't. Um, what it sounds like you're saying is that like that part took you out of the story and then mm-hmm. it's like hard for you to connect back in.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think also Sabah Tahir did a good job with the oral storytelling. Um, we see that when I think Elias is like with his like adopted family, there's a lot of oral storytelling going on there. And like, there's people who are oral storytellers, like that is their part of the society. And I think they, that book does a really good job of not pulling you out of the story to tell you some side story. <laughs> yeah,
0: Or the griot from, what is it? A Song of Wraiths and Ruin.
1: And Ruin. Yeah. Roseanne Abram, yeah.
0: right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe some other stories that felt like the oral storytelling played a big role and was done in such a way as not to pull you out of the story. Obviously, it's not the case for everyone. This is my opinion. (laughs) Let's
0: discuss all things magic.
1: So Circe is born of a god and a nymph, and that somehow makes her into a witch, but, like, the gods were not expecting that. So we kind of see how, like, the gods, like, if you're, if you read Greek mythology or if you're, like, interested in Greek mythology, you kind of know, like, they're not, like... Like what we think of as God, capital G God today, like they're not all knowing and all seeing beings. So they like have no idea what's going on most of the time. They're like us, but they live forever.
0: And they have probably more power than
1: they know what to do with. Yes, which probably is the case with most of us. as well. <laughs> Yeah, fair point. This is, like, one of the things I really like about Greek mythology is that the gods and the demigods and the nymphs, like, all of them, they are like us. And then they're making these decisions that have, like, these huge impacts across time. So it kind of feels like a metaphor for our lives, you know? I just appreciate that they really, like, get into our lives and, like, mess things up just for the fun of it. <laughs> totally.
0: Totally. And I think that you mentioned some, like, is a nymph a god or is it a demigod or some sort of other, you know, immortal creature or something. Yeah, it sounds like she's, Circe is like this hybrid, but like what makes her into a witch is like her, I think she and Penelope were talking about this at one point, um, about how it's mostly like will and work, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: and it's like her learning herbalism and learning, you know, all of her different like textile arts and spells and stuff like that. Which I think comes from spending so much time in the shadow and alone, you know, in her exile. Mm -hmm. So she really has to dig down deep and then finds this. Lots of other powers are available to her.
1: Um, We also have minotaurs, lion familiars, and turning men into the pigs that they are. So that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Those men were terrible and they deserved it. So like, no, (laughs) love lost there. Not at all. But it was kind of fun to see like all the different magical creatures um, from Greek mythology. I really like that aspect. I didn't know that story of the Minotaur. So that was really cool.
0: Yeah, I knew a little bit of it. But I was glad that we got more details about like Daedalus making the labyrinth and Ariadne Mm -hmm. and it being her brother. Like I didn't know that.
1: And I like the lion familiars because it feels like like witches have their familiars which are often depicted as cats so there's like a connection there and I really liked that because I love cats. Yay!
0: (laughs) One of Cersei's first witchy witchcraft powerful acts is turning her sister Scylla into the monster that you know she thought that she was.
1: That she was on the inside? (laughs) Yeah exactly
0: and so she has what like 12 legs and a bunch of heads and she ends up basically being this like amphibious but sea monster almost like lives mm-hmm. in the cliffside and haunts this like strait that's sailors have to try and go through and Cersei passes through this once more than once I can't remember. maybe twice
1: I think once and then the second time she like kills her that's right something. that's
0: right yeah, yeah yeah that happens towards the end
1: I read this book like a month ago so I can't even believe I remember this <laughs> you're doing amazing <laughs> I liked this part because I was like her sister was really mean to her so I didn't really feel that bad but it was a cool show of like Cersei's powers because no one thought she could do any of these things and then no one believed that she was the one that did it which was really interesting. <laughs> now we're going to talk about conflict villains and good versus evil in our segment Get Me Kylo Rem. So men in general are the villains <laughs> in this story <laughs> and maybe in real life too. <laughs> There's a lot of rape that runs around the periphery of this story, um, especially where the nymphs are concerned. And then Circe is a half nymph and she's exiled on the island. And she's like, the story starts with her, like, not the story, but like her exile. And a lot of what we see there is these men who come ashore, who are like washed ashore. And then they, try and rape her and that's when she turns them into pigs um, that she like keeps in her backyard and maybe she kills them and eats them too I think because she's like taking care of all of her own food in the story which I'm just now realizing that means she probably ate them So, but that would
0: be like a lot of pork for some one person to consume
1: yeah but she has those other nymphs living like all those exiled women who are like being punished and they have to go stay with her oh I didn't realize that
0: she had like a whole commune
1: yeah, for a little while she has like the, all these other women living there with her and that's like their punishment from their dads or whatever. So they have to go live with her and they're for like, a while. Okay,
0: cool. Bye. See you. I know.
1: Like who cares? So yeah, men and rape play a big aspect of this story,
0: which to be honest wasn't that surprised about knowing that it was about Greek mythology and there's a ton of sexual assault and rape and Zeus doing all sorts of mm-hmm. things to all sorts of people to have his yeah. progeny.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then the gods in the story, are, I guess, are kind of villains as well. They're pretty cruel and fickle, and I'd expect nothing less of them, given my knowledge of Greek mythology. Circe kind of like learns that, I think, th- throughout the story, that they are more similar to humans than they think they are.
0: Completely agree. I like this aspect of the gods being just super versions of like humans so that means like all of their problems are also exacerbated their faults, you know yeah mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i like this part where which i was kind of expecting you know the gods like you're you're describing are like capricious they're power hungry they're like they lie they cheat they steal you know but that makes them interesting characters <laughs> onward magical friends Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability, this is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. There's this one moment that stuck out to me in the the scene where Cersei and Daedalus are talking about Icarus, who is a small kiddo at this point, I think. And apparently when he and his dad are walking down the street, he asks every He asked him if he's going to marry every woman that they pass on the street, which I know is just like kid antics and probably wants like a replacement mother figure because his mother had died. But it just makes me think of like societies that are organized in this like compulsory heterosexual way. They're just so like unimaginative about the ways that we can meet our needs for, I don't know, like social interaction or material support or just you know like emotional love or whatever like this kid clearly needs some of something else besides like just his dad so i don't know this is what it kind of had me spinning off and to think that like this these paradigms are just really unimaginative and especially and even even and especially for children you know because it like limits how they see the ability i don't know it limits their like I'm thinking of the word in Spanish is cosmovision. What is it? Worldview. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to that ramble.
1: (laughs) No, I completely agree. And it's a little bit surprising given Greek society. Um, I don't think they were strictly like heterosexual. And we see this in the song of Achilles. If you've read that book, like I don't think it's supposed to be like surprising that Achilles and uh, what's that guy's name? Pet- Petro- Patroclus. Yeah. Patroclus? Um, are together. Um, so it's it was it's kind of a weird thing to put into the book. We don't really see much queerness in this novel like we do in Song of Achilles. Which
0: we love. We love the queer stuff. So
1: mm-hmm. we're here for mm-hmm. it. Yes.
0: <laughs> and I was on my shit putting a quote in the <laughs> notes. And I don't really know if it goes here, but I'll read it anyway. And we can riff. So this is from Daedalus again in chapter 11 and he talks about a golden cage is still a cage because he's like trapped by pacifae into doing things like making her bull sex swing or whatever for she fucked the <laughs> sacred bull. You remember that?
1: I don't remember <laughs>
0: any of this. Oh my god yeah that's her, that's how the Minotaur gets born. Pacifate oh, is right. Cersei's yeah, sister, yeah, yeah. Okay. and Daedalus yes, yes, built yes. this like thing because she wanted to get a close look at the bowl, and <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> we can fade to black on that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Uh just like I both do and don't agree because, like, if your material needs are being met, like it, I don't know, it didn't seem like he had it that bad. Daedalus, like he got to yeah. go on lots of trips, and he has his family and
1: gets to leave his son with someone to take care of
0: <laughs> exactly goes
1: on these trips
0: so a uh, golden cage is still a cage yes and it's check your privilege much more nuanced than that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it is funny i without naming names recently met someone who is very privileged but does not think that they are so and you just like get a different vibe from those people like their whole worldview is just like shifted into thinking that like nobody like nobody has it worse than them but like without their level of privilege like that I don't have their level of privilege I'm like bro you have so much privilege and you don't even realize that you're like the white men women complain about like you are the problem with society and you can't see that because you know, because of where you're coming from. So I'm just kind of like, yes, I know there are issues. Like nobody has everything that they need. Nobody's getting all their needs met. But at the same time, like, yeah, nuance, you know, it exists. (laughs) I don't know. It can be really frustrating to meet people like that, too. So
0: yeah, these people are, you know, in real life, too. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. you could break out of your golden cage and then melt down the gold and redistribute it.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you
0: don't have to play the game.
1: Yeah yeah you are in the position where you don't have to so like stop doing it exactly I guess. Ugh, yeah Anyways. Anyways. rant over <laughs> finally it's time for shipwrecked a segment about sexuality asexuality sex romance and relationships and sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own we see Circe fall for, like, four guys in the span of I don't know how many years, and honestly, I think they were all pretty boring. Like, I did not ship her with any of them. Maybe she should have tried being with some of those women that were, like, sent to exile on her island, or she kind of seemed to really like that guy's mom that she ends up with at the end. Exactly. That's what
0: I wrote, too. Like, after you, right after you had written this note, I was like, I think she and Penelope would have made a much better, like, sapphic spinster. Mm-hmm. Let's, like weave carpets together
1: (laughs) yeah they seem to really like each other and really get each other and I'm like you're gonna give up your like I know she's exiled and she doesn't like that but like you have like all this peace and like comfort on this island like why are you leaving that to be with some bro (laughs)
0: yeah because they can both attest from personal experience that Odysseus is trash and they should just leave him to go like self-destruct over there on where Ithaca or whatever his island is
1: yeah yeah I don't know I was just like not into any of those guys I was just like they seem pretty boring agreed
0: couldn't agree more I was like why isn't this gayer
1: I know especially I think because I read Song of Achilles first I was like I just expected it to be more queer and then it wasn't I was like huh not what I was expecting I think it's also hard because like Song of Achilles is like held up on social media as like the queer book like everyone's like if you want queer stuff read song of achilles and i'm like there is other stuff out there so i think i just expected more from this as well
0: maybe that's the problem with hype
1: yeah (laughs) all the sex scenes are fade to black no thank you
0: (laughs) like spice it up somehow you know if it's gonna be a little bit
1: tedious it's for adults like you can have everything on the page yeah yeah I get it some people aren't into that that's also fine but I think I expected more from that as well because people love this book so much (laughs) yeah
0: and so it's like maybe there was at least a little smut to like
1: yeah but but no 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 smut (sighs)
0: like there's bullfucking though
1: yeah I was not really there for that but I mean at least it happened off the page yeah
0: (laughs) we're okay with that black. Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings.
1: There was so much talk about the trials and tribulations of motherhood in this story. And I'm sure for people who are mothers, that was like very interesting. And I get it, like I feel like being a parent would be really hard. There's like so much you do to like nurture a child if you actually do that work. And <laughs> like then you kind of have to like give up everything to like do that for them and then you have to like let it all go and just let them be their own person and do what they feel like they need to do and we see that with both um what's her name Penelope yeah. and Cersei doing that with their kids and like the pain of childbirth like all these things um so it played like a big role in the story which I wasn't expecting as we talked about in the year in review episode I'm not a big fan of pregnancy tropes so I'm also not a really a big fan of like watching people raise children I think it's kind of boring, but it did spark maybe some interesting conversations around motherhood and what it means to be a mother. And they're doing it without the father figures there, which, you know, not every child gets a father figure for various reasons. So that was also interesting. It would have been cool to see Cersei, like, raising her kid, whose name I don't remember, with...
0: It's like, it's not... I just think it's like octopus, (laughs) but no, Telemachus is the oh, dude that man, she ends the... up being with at the end that's penelope oh, okay. and odysseus's son uh till uh, it's almost the exact same thing it's close
1: though anyways it would have been cool to see her like raising it with like a group of her, it the child <laughs> with a group of women like her spinster friends or coven i don't know dare we say yeah yeah i think this was good aspect of the book but also I find parenting very boring, so, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Unless it's cats. Unless it's cats, then I'm very interested. We also, like, from the story, get a lot about, like, the boredom of immortality. Like, there's so much time going on and not a lot to do. I don't know if I buy into that. (laughs) But Cersei's exiled, so, of course, I think that's going to make it more boring, she's like giving up i think at the end she gives up her immortality so she can be with telemachus and i'm like why would you do that you could just be with him till he gets old and then like be with someone else i don't know next
0: (laughs) thank you next (laughs) thanks for this lifetime i'll move on to the next one yeah you could have Mm -hmm. like a thousand loves
1: but also think of all the things you get to see like you get to see like Civilization, civilization change. Like you would get to see like technology. Change. Like there's so much stuff you would get to see when you live forever, and you'd like really appreciate it more because you had lived so long. So I just don't really buy into this Jesse, <laughs> at all. Think
0: of all the books that we could read
1: so many books you could
0: <laughs> potentially read all of the books
1: <laughs> you really could so yeah if I get the chance for immortality I'm not giving it up for no man <laughs> no we're gonna
0: we'll have a, I'll take a million book boyfriends Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm all and them, girlfriends all and they them. friends yeah
0: there were these sections where they're talking about like weaving and stuff and fiber arts, textiles. And I was like, talk to me about this all day. This is like <laughs> ASMR for my crafter brain, <laughs> like weaving being like spell work. Your mind has to be like open but focused. And I'm, I'm calling it right now. It's just a matter of time until I get a loom in my house.
1: <laughs> I think you've been I think you've been building up to that so yeah like let me know take all the pics let's see it put it on the gram
0: <laughs> making dyes out of natural materials oh my gosh I think mm. one of our patrons I think gray I think they do this right don't they do like weaving I know and they spinning, do spinning and stuff spinning.
1: I don't know about weaving I do know they knit so who knows they're probably the person to talk to about all these exactly things. <laughs> hey
0: shout out <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's that time. Before we end, it's the time for real talk. So obviously this didn't make change Jesse's perspective because this section was a <laughs> left blank.
1: I think I realized the boredom of the story instead of the boredom of immortality. Like, Man, You're like, I am boring. not a mortal and
0: I spent time on this.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Precious time. i so sorry. <laughs>
0: I obviously, in my form, have a quote. So this is Circe about her sister, Pasiphae, when she was brought in to help her give birth to the Minotaur. So Pasiphae's being like a bitch and really mean to Circe. And Cersei says, in her exposition, there was no wound that she could give me that I had not already given myself. And just that really hit home. You know, we are so mean to ourselves, or I guess I shouldn't, I should just speak for me. You know, I'm so. You can speak to... for me
1: too. It's I, the negative self talk. It's is bad. incessant,
0: <laughs> and it's like programmed that way. And so, you know, I'm just like embracing this. It's just a thought. You know, thank you for your input. Now, STFU, and we're, I'm gonna go do this other thing.
1: Yeah, I saw someone say something. I, you know, one of the therapists I follow online, something about like, would you say this to your best friend? And I'm just like, oh, but I'm not my best friend. <laughs> but I should treat myself better, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's tough. It's hard. Speaking
0: of treating myself better, I forgot to tell you when we caught up that I got um Jesse sent me her face routine. And so I got some skincare <laughs> products that I'm I was like, 2022, I'm gonna take care of my face, I'm gonna wear sunscreen.
1: Yeah, um, especially for those of you lacking melanin, all the more important... That's me. That's me. <laughs> i mean i do wear it every every day i did get a new one we can talk about it later but if people need help with skincare routine please hit me up i got so many recommendations i did a lot of research. i'm excited <laughs> to
0: take care of myself but yeah, the, yeah this quote was just like oh this is a gem that i had to pull out it because is. it's like it is so true we are so mean to ourselves and sometimes our own worst enemy and our own worst critics
1: yeah we got to do better we got to treat ourselves better
0: So on that uplifting note, it's time to end.
1: Card questions?
0: Card questions. Do you have
1: card questions? I got it.
0: I reorganized <laughs> my office. I have a new studio set up for recording. It looks
1: amazing. It's
0: actually, I've had to turn my game down. Any audio nerds out there? Because, oh, interesting. Because it's better insulated and That's the sound great. is better in here. So.
1: Sound effects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, we're going to do some rapid fire. And if I don't like it, I'm just throwing the question out. Is this book funny?
1: No. (laughs) What was
0: the author's message?
1: I don't know. You don't really want to live forever because it'll be really boring, but I think that's a lie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you can live with goats and girls and gardens forever.
1: I guess embrace your own magic, you know? Ooh, I love that.
0: How did the characters change from the beginning to the end of the book? Circe is less of like a rollover and let whoever kick me, however.
1: Which probably helps with time. You can become a stronger person, like internally and externally. You can become stronger all around.
0: <laughs> What's the most astute observation about people? I think the one we just talked about.
1: Yeah. And people are just terrible. They're mean to each other. God's people real people yeah (laughs) we are cruel cruel beings sometimes to ourselves and to others
0: (laughs) and then last but not least what one piece of advice would you offer the main character
1: um stop fucking bros and you know live a different life read some books (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) date girls expand your dating pool okay
1: Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm you have forever to try it out. What if you like it? You lived for like a thousand years. You didn't even think to try. Like what? <laughs> like really? Come
0: on. It seems like a wasted opportunity. It,
1: it does. It really does. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the library coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of faith taking flight by Julie Murphy. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching us out to us on Twitter or Instagram at the Library Coven.
0: You can subscribe to the Library Coven on the podcast app of your choice, wherever you listen and get your podcasts. And we would mega appreciate it if you rate and review the show. It helps with algorithms and other uh, technological witchery that helps people find us. Uh, if you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee, and you can also support us on Patreon. Please consider. And by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. I just did a bookshop order with some podcast books for the end of the season and some Tar Brock books. So treat yourself. Until next time, stay magical.